Thank you, everyone, for coming on today's podcast. Uh, we're going to be reading from the AA Big Book, Gratitude in Action. Let's go ahead and open it up with the uh, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Gratitude in Action. This story of Dave B., one of the founders of AA in Canada in 1944. I believe it would be good to tell the story of my life. Doing so will give me the opportunity to remember that I must be grateful to God and to those members of Alcoholic Anonymous who knew AA before me. Telling my story reminds me that I could go back to where I was if I forget the wonderful things that I have been given to me or forget that God is the guide who keeps me on this path. In June 1924, I was 16 years old and I had just graduated from high school in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Some of my friends suggested that we go for a beer. I had never had a beer or any other form of alcohol. I don't know why, since we always had alcohol at home. I should add that no one in my family was ever considered an alcoholic. Well, I was afraid my friends wouldn't like me if I didn't do as they did. I knew firsthand the mysterious state of people who appear to be sure of themselves, but are actually eaten alive with fear inside. I had a rather strong inferiority complex. I believe I lack what my father used to call character. So on the nice summer day in an old inn in Sherbrooke, I didn't find the courage to say no. I became an active alcoholic from the first day when alcohol produced a very special effect in me. I was transformed. Alcohol suddenly made me into what I had always wanted to be. Pass. Alcohol became my everyday companion. At first, I considered it a friend. Later, it became a heavy load I couldn't get rid of. It turned out to be a much more powerful than I was. Even if for many years I could stay sober for short periods. I kept telling myself that one way or another, I would get rid of alcohol. I was convinced I would find a way to go to stop drinking. I didn't want to acknowledge that alcohol had become so important in my life. Indeed, alcohol was was giving me something I didn't want to lose. In 1934, a series of mishaps occurred because of my drinking. I had to become, I had to come back from Western Canada because the bank I worked for lost confidence in me. An elevator accident cost me all of the toes on one foot and a skull fracture. I was in the hospital for months. My excessive drinking also caused a brain hemorrhage, which completely paralyzed one side of my body. I probably, the day I came by ambulance to Western Hospital, a night shift nurse, why do you drink so much? You have a wonderful life, a bright little boy. You have no reason to drink like that. Why do you? Being honest, for the first time, I said, I don't know. Nurse, I really don't know. That was many years before I learned about the fellowship. You might think I'd tell myself, if alcohol causes so much harm, I will stop drinking. But I found 
countless reasons to prove myself that alcohol had nothing to do with my misfortunes. I told myself it was because of fate, because everyone was against me, because things weren't going well. I sometimes thought that God did not exist. I thought if this loving God exists, as they say, he would not treat me this way. God would not act like this. I felt sorry for myself a lot in those days. Pass. My family and employers were concerned about my drinking. But I had become rather arrogant. I bought a 1931 Ford with an inheritance from my grandmother, and my wife and I made a trip to Cape Cod. On the way back, we stopped at my uncle's place in New Hampshire. This uncle had taken me under his wing at the time of my mother's death, and he worried about me. Now he said to me, Dave, if you stop drinking for a full year, I will give you the Ford Roadster I just bought. I loved that car, so I immediately promised I wouldn't drink for a whole year, and I meant it. Yet, I was drinking again before we reached the Canadian border. I was powerless over alcohol. I was learning that I could do nothing to fight it off. And while I was denying the fact. On Easter week, week in 1944, I found myself in a jail cell in Montreal. By now, I was drinking to escape the horrible thoughts I had whenever I was sober, enough to become aware of my situation. I was drinking to avoid seeing what I had become. The job I had for 20 years in the new car were long gone. I had undergone three stays in a psychiatric hospital. God knows I didn't want to drink. Yet, to my great despair, I always returned to the infernal merry-go-round. I wonder how this misery would end. I was full of fear. I was afraid to tell others what I felt, lest they would think I was insane. I was terribly lonely, full of self-pity and terrified. Most of all, I was in deep depression. Then I recall a book given to me by my sister Jean about drunks as desperate as I was who had found a way to stop drinking. According to these books, these drunks had found a way to live like other human beings, to get up in the morning, go to work, and return home in the evening. This book was about Alcoholics Anonymous. Pass. I decided to get in touch with difficulty in reaching AA in New York, as AA wasn't as well known then. I finally spoke to a woman, Bobby, who says words I hope I never forget. We have recovered. If you want to, we'll help you. She told me her, about herself and added that many other drunks had used this method to stop drinking. What impressed me the most in this conversation was the fact that these people miles away cared enough to try to help me. Here I was, feeling so sorry for myself, convinced that no one cared whether I was dead or alive. Copy of the big book in the mail. And the, the following day, and each day after that, for nearly a year, I got a letter or a note, something from Bobby or from Bill, or from one of the other members of the central office in New York. In October 1944, Bobby wrote, you sound very sincere, and from now on, we will be counting on you to perpetuate the fellowship of AA. Where you are, you will find and close some inquiries from alcoholics. We think you are now ready to take on the responsibility. She had enclosed some of 400 letters that I answered in the course of the following weeks. Soon I began to get answers back. In my, in my new enthusiasm 
and having found an answer to my problem, I told Dory, my wife, you can't quit your job now. I will take care of you from now on. You will take the place you deserve in this family. However, she knew better, she said. No, Dave, I will keep my job for a year while you go save the drunks. This is exactly what I set out to do. As I look back on it now, I did everything wrong. But at least I was thinking of somebody else instead of myself. I had began to get a little bit of something I am very full of now, and that is gratitude. I was becoming increasingly grateful to the people in New York and to the God they refer to, but whom I found difficult to reach. Then I realized I had to seek a higher power I was about told, told about. I was all alone in Quebec at the time. The Toronto group had been in operation since the previous fall, and there was a member in the Windsor who attended meetings across the river in Detroit. That was AA in its entirety of this country. One day I got a letter from a man in Halifax who wrote, one of my friends, a drunk, works in the Montreal, where he went on a major bin. When he returns to Montreal, I'd like you to talk to him. I met this man at home. His wife was cooking dinner. The man was wearing a velvet jacket and sitting comfortably in his parlor. I hadn't met many people from high society. I immediately thought, what's going on here? This man is an alcoholic. Jack was a down-to-earth person. He was used to discussions about psychiatry and the concept of higher power didn't appeal to him. Very much. From our, from our meeting, AA was born here in Quebec. The fellowship started to grow, most particularly following the publicity we got in the Gazette. In the spring of 1945, I will never forget the day that Mary came to see me. She was the first woman to join our fellowship here. She was very low-key. She had heard the fellowship through the Gazette. For the first year, all the meetings were held in my home. There were people all over the house. The wives of members used to come with their husbands, though... We didn't allow them in our closed meetings. They used to sit on the bed or in the kitchen where they would make coffee and snacks. I believe they were wondering what would happen to us, yet they were happy as we were. The first two French Canadians to learn about AA did so in the basement of my home. All French-speaking meetings in existence today were born out of those early meetings. At the end of my first year of sobriety, my wife agreed to leave her job after I found some work. I thought that would be easy. All I had to do was go see an employer and I'd be able to support my family in a normal fashion. However, I looked for work for many months. We didn't have much money and I was spending the little we had going from one place to the other, answering ads and meeting people. I was getting more and more discouraged. One day a member said, Dave, why don't you apply at the aircraft factory? I don't. I know a fellow there who could help you. So that was where I got my first job. There really is a higher power looking after us. One of the most fundamental things I have learned is to pass on our message to other alcoholics. That means I must think more about others than about myself. The most important thing is to practice these principles in all my affairs. In my opinion, that is what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about. Pass. I never forgot a passage I first read in the copy of the big book that Bobby sent me. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your fault to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
give freely of what you've earned and join us. It is very simple, though not always easy, but it can be done. I know the Fellowship of AA doesn't offer any guarantees, but I also know that in the future, I do not have to drink. I want to keep this life of peace, serenity, and tranquility that I have found. Today, I have found again the home I left and the woman I married. When she was still so young, we had two more children, and they think their dad is an important man. I have all these wonderful things, people who mean more to me than anything in the world. I shall keep all that, and I won't have to drink. If I remember one thing, to keep my hand in the hand of God. Amen. What a beautiful story. I, uh, that is a very beautiful story. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't do any of that stuff in the first few years of my sobriety. And I didn't keep my hand with God and my other hand with a new uh, prospect, you know, doing what we're doing now. Uh, and all the, all the things I, left me, like you said, I forgot and um, even though I had the hand of God, but I didn't have the hand of the uh, of the newcomer. So with that, I really like where it says right here exactly that. Telling my story reminds me that I could go back where I was if I forget the wonderful things in the first paragraph, the wonderful things that I have been given to me, or forget that God is the guide who keeps me on this path. It's kind of nice because it doesn't say, let me look at how bad it was right here. You know, this guy, you know, usually all the stories are saying, oh, if I forget how bad it was and how miserable I was. And, you know, that's fine and dandy. But right here he's saying, if I forget the wonderful things that I have been given to me. See, so that's 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 really what we were talking about earlier that watch out what you pray for. You may get it. Watch out what you think for, because we're living on a spiritual path. In other words, whatever we think about, talk about, will come about. You know, if we think and believe that God works in mysterious ways, His miracles to perform, if we really believe that, uh, it'll start to happen. You know, you just practice with it. I write it in a three-by-five card or put it here and there, and I look at it. And before I was saying, eh, it's just a writing. But I'll get it and I'll move it around the house and I'll keep looking. I'll start believing on it. And once you believe it, you, you, you walk on a different plane. Uh, you feel it. That God is the God who keeps us on this path. So I'm asking everyone, believe or make believe and you will believe. All it takes is making believe, you know, make believe that God works in mysterious ways and his miracles to perform to uh, get us to, he does wonderful things for us through this program. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. And uh, congratulations. Uh, your birthday's coming up on the 9th. Yeah, it is. I'm very excited about it. You know, I never thought I could do it a whole year. <laughs> have you did you get any uh discouragements that said oh what the heck what's the use of it no um i you know i, I was very lucky you know as soon as some people from especially my family they realized what i was doing um i have a lot of very supportive people around me thankfully and i never and 
coworkers and friends as well. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it was honestly very... You know, it's usually usually the friends, the co-workers, you know, are the ones who will drag you down and and continue bombarding you. Hey, well, let's just drink, you know. Yeah, yeah. luckily I didn't have that problem, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, they say the best the best job is where you have best friends at work, uh, and better yet that you find other people in the program. You know, you can iron sharpens iron. I agree, one hundred percent. Hey, man, so thank you so much. This is the most wonderful thing we can do is keep sharpening our swords with the program. We got, thank God, we got so many stories, you know, we can uh, enjoy. So we got this one down, Gratitude in Action. from, And uh, what I like to do is search and find that Gazette story on the Internet and go ahead and read it onto here. You know, it's kind of like the one story that we had. We had the Jack Alexander story on this side that propelled alcoholic nomads to a new level. And Canada had their their one called the Gazette. So it's really interesting. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming on here today and looking forward. Let's go ahead and, and close with the Our Father, please. All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven. hallowed be, be thy name. name. Thy kingdom, kingdom come, come. thy will, will be done, done. honored as, as it is in heaven. heaven. Give, Give us this day our daily bread, and, and forgive us our trespasses, trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against, against us. us. And, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Keep coming back. Thank you, Alex. Have a great week. Thank you, Fernando. You too. All right. Just text me if you're going to hit a meeting, so I'll try and make it. I'm okay. All right. I'll be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there probably tomorrow for sure on Monday. All right. That'll be good. All right. All right. See you. I'll see you. See you then. Bye.